You're listening to Crushing It, a podcast with me, Jennifer Hoff, a place to highlight women who are empowering others, sharing advice, and just doing good. I hope it inspires you to learn, grow, and go out in the world and crush it. My next guest is truly crushing it. She immigrated from India when she was 10 years old. Her dad had just about 20 bucks in his pocket. Well, now she owns nine fitness clubs all throughout Portland and Vancouver, while now navigating trying to keep all of her members safe and the staff there during COVID, as well as being a mom to two kids who will start school during these unprecedented times. So please, everybody, welcome Kalpna Lubrano. Thank you, Cal, for being here. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I'm so excited. So I've known you for a little bit now, and I want to tell you that I look up to you. You are one of the most, you have so much charisma and you are so confident. And I wonder if those are the same words that you would use to describe yourself. Confident, yes. And charisma, I think, is how everybody perceives themselves, you know, in different ways. I, I look at myself as a mom first. That's my number one goal in life is to make sure that I'm here for my kids and raising them with the values that my mom and dad have instilled in me. And so I feel like that would be my avenue in how I look at myself. Mm, And sort of how you conduct yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you told me the other day that you just finally got your last gym up and running as we are trying to get through COVID. What are some changes that uh, you guys had to make to the Planet Fitnesses around town? So we were able to open up our four locations in Southern Oregon at the end of May. And then uh, the three Portland locations we opened up at the end of June. And our last two locations in Vancouver, Washington, we just opened up about a week and a half ago. And from the beginning, we have uh, implemented some great uh, safety um, protocols for uh, our members and for our uh, team members as well. Uh, We are requiring everyone in the clubs to wear masks, not only our team members, but also our members that are using the gym. It's it's challenging at times to get everyone to, you know, understand why they have to wear a mask working out inside the gym. But I think it's important as business owners that we all have to do our part. And so we feel very strongly about making sure that our staff is, um, you know, going around, uh, we've hired uh, daytime staff to clean throughout the day. We've hired, um, you know, overnight uh, cleaning company to make sure that they're cleaning all the corners of the clubs to make sure that everything is being cleaned and sanitized. Um, we do our 20 minute walk around just to make sure that, you know, our members following our uh, rules of wearing their mask and not just, you know, over their mouth. It, really got to be over the nose and um, so just making sure that you know as a staff we're doing that Um, we've also gone into our HVAC system to see what we can do to uh, provide better airflow I think one of the things that with Planet Fitness is that we've always been about uh, having a clean gym so this was not something new for my staff to adjust to it is just taking it to the next level, right? And making sure that um, we are looking at the amount of members that are in the gym at the same time, looking at our usage, looking at some of the things that we, at a deeper and more uh, in-depth 
level than we did in the past. But the cleanliness is something that we've always been big on. And that's something that uh, I think was just second nature for our, our team. One thing I really liked about your app is it looks like it has a, a crowd meter. And so folks can click on that and actually see how many people are in the gym. Yeah, because some of our gyms have uh, limits, especially our Vancouver, Washington locations. We are only able to uh, allow 25% capacity of what our city number looks like. So when you open up a gym, uh, the city gives you a number of how many people you can have in the inside the gym at all, you know, at a given time. Um, so for example, our, our Vancouver location, one of our clubs that's, you know, almost 25,000 square feet has a, um, capacity of 400, um, and 10 people at a given time while well, taking 25% of that capacity, we got to make sure that we have under a hundred, I think it came out to like 109 people. Um, so just to make sure that, you know, we don't have anything over 110 people in our clubs at, the, at one given time. So members are able to be at home and look at an app and say, okay, is the gym, you know, really crowded at, you know, 7 a.m.? Is it, you know, the least crowded at 12, um, 4 p.m.? You know, they're able to look at the app and be able to kind of, you know, um, go off of that to go into the gym. What is it about Planet Fitness that drew you to it? Because on its website, it does say it, it caters to women in a way. How, how does it do that? So what drew me to Planet Fitness was really their business model. It's catered to anyone that, you know, um, wouldn't traditionally be able to afford a gym membership. It's catered to 85% of the people that don't belong to a gym. And the reason why 85% of the people that don't belong to a gym is because they're, they feel intimidated. They don't, they don't feel comfortable going into a gym. You are able to come into our, our gym and feel comfortable. We offer free fitness training. We, where a trainer is not, there's no sales pressure. It's all about making sure that our members are using the equipment properly and we're teaching them how to use it properly. And we're not charging you to do that. It's part of your $10 membership. Um, and as far as how we cater to women, it's not a woman-based franchise, but it, we cater to women because they feel comfortable coming into our gym. So I've had members that have, you know, uh, lost over a hundred pounds and just have come up to me and talked to me about that and what that journey has been like for them. And a lot of it comes from our friendly staff. A lot of it comes from our, you know, trainers working with them and just making them feel comfortable. So they come back in and a lot of our staff members know their members by name. So when you're coming in, they know Jen is coming in at four o'clock in the afternoon. And so, hey, Jen, how was your day? You're in today, right? So I think it's always building those connections and relationships with our members that our staff does a great job with. And that is part of our PF culture that we do our training on and making sure that, you know, we find the right fit for um, our clubs as far as staffing is concerned. Because we're not a gym where you just hang out at the front desk and, oh yeah, I'm going to check this person in. We're, we really want you to engage with our members and make them feel comfortable and make sure that we are delivering on the promise that we made when they sign up for our membership. 
I think it's important that, you know, connections overall clearly matter no matter what industry, but women do have a sense and uh, sometimes can do better at making those connections. I just had a conversation with a, a woman in corporate banking and it was the same thing. She left some of the larger uh, banks to do something on her own because she felt like she could do more of that one-on-one -on -one and instead of trying to capture fees, she wanted to create relationships. And I think women do a really good job of that. Yes, definitely. And what about being a female owner? Are there very many of you? And sort of how does that change your game plan? So um, as far as Planet Fitness, there's not as many women franchisees or even just um, franchisees of color. And I think part of that comes with, again, it's the, the big issue that we're dealing with in society today. Um, there's a you know, startup fee that most people can't afford to get into right now because it's a very successful franchise that, uh, you know, since over 20 years has been uh, existing. And uh, I was fortunate enough where I had my oldest sister who joined, uh, she was, I think, uh, franchisee number 40 in the system and, um, was able to start her own Planet Fitness franchisee in uh, franchise in New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, she was very successful. And her and her husband both worked uh, to get their business started. Uh, and then she got my other sister, Neha, who is my second oldest sister uh, in Maryland to get into Planet Fitness. And I watched the two of them just you know, rocket. They were doing great. And I always ask questions. Uh, what are you guys doing? Why do you like it so much? How's, how's this making a difference? And I just learned through them. You know, I was young. I just got married. I didn't know uh, what I wanted to do. And I lived in Oregon. I had just moved here and I watched my husband working at Nike and he loved his job, but he was working a lot. I uh, watched him put everything that he had into a, a a company that was, um, you know, Nike is a great company and I'm, I'm, I would never take anything away from them. But it took my husband a couple of years to get on board with us starting our own business. And I told him about Planet Fitness. I kind of talked to him through the history of my sisters. And then I kind of just said to him, you know, this is something that I really want to do. I, my dad always talked about, you know, his daughter's coming uh, from India and having opportunities that we would never have had before in India and owning our own business was something that he always talked about and he's seen the success with two of my sisters and I would like to see if maybe we we can do this and I really feel that my dad was the biggest inspiration behind all of this is he believed in all of his girls you know he he knew he came from a country where women were not being educated women were being um married off at 17, 18 years old, and they became home housewives. You know, there wasn't a career path that women had in India. And he felt that his girls needed to get a college education. That was important to him. I saw my parents working two jobs um, just to make sure that we were able to go to college. Um, that was, you know, that was really important. I watched them work really hard and I wanted to not only fulfill my dad's dream, but I also wanted to fulfill a dream for my kids one day that I would have and say, you know, you guys can do anything that you want. You can put, you know, anything that you put your mind to, you can do it. Um, 
So that was really important. I convinced him. Uh, we got started. We opened up our first club and I managed that club. And um, I had members tell me, oh, everything that goes into this plaza doesn't survive. And I was like, oh my God, but don't say that to me because I have put everything, we have put everything into this. And, you know, the day that I opened those doors, it, it was pretty amazing to, uh, to get the warm welcome that we got in our first Vancouver location with members coming in and just saying how great um, the gym looked and they still couldn't believe it was only $10 a month. And um, I learned everything that I needed to learn. I worked there for uh, almost a year and a half before I opened up my second location. Um, so I feel like a lot of times when I work with my managers now today, I, I can relate to some of the things that they're dealing with that, you know, the things that they are working on. Um, but it all goes back to uh, my, my parents. My parents have been the biggest inspiration, even to this day, uh, always reminding us that family comes first, but working for yourself is something that was really important to him. And, and they left right? They came to the States for about a year or so and kind of got things settled a little bit. I mean, talk about that. Was that transition hard or did you always know it was for a reason? And then eventually your family, I mean, you guys have quite the bond. Just to be clear, there are four sisters and all yeah. of you own uh, your own business now. Yes. Yeah, so my parents um, came to America uh, and left all four of us behind in India because they needed to come here, get settled, uh, figure out jobs, all of that stuff. So it was really hard. I mean, I was young, but I think about if I had to leave my 10-year-old daughter now, you know, uh, behind and not see them for a year. Because back then in India, we didn't have cameras. We didn't have um, any technology really to be able to communicate with my parents, right? So yeah, we were separated for a year and my parents talk about, you know, the tough times they had when they first moved to America, not knowing the language, uh, the culture, being immigrants, not having uh, the weather change, uh, just a lot of cultural change for them. And then also the emotional part of leaving their kids behind. Um, so when me and my sisters arrived a year later, it was my younger sister would not go to my mom because she wasn't wearing a sari. She's never seen my mom in pants and shirt. Um, so it was a cultural shock, but I think the, my parents, my parents have done a really amazing job in just teaching us that hard work is something that no one can ever take away from you. If you work hard in life, you will be able to succeed. And what a better lesson to have learned, even though, I mean, look at the hard work that they put in. And so many families are putting in nowadays. I mean, you've got two kids, as well as all of your business ventures. You have two kids, as you and your husband are trying to navigate this brand new life. And they're starting school, one of them high school. I mean, these are big transitions to try to get through. As a mother, what are you doing to find any sort of respite or ease or do you have any advice for other women who are going through this i think what i've learned in this time of quarantine actually the lockdown um was we all have to slow down life is just at a very fast pace in america and 
I've, I've learned to self-care more as, as a mom. I'm putting everything that I have into my kids, my husband, my business, and then it's always me at the end, right? And I think as women and as moms, we need to have time for ourselves to be able to be a better mother, to be a better leader, to be a better wife. And I've heard those words before from friends and advice, but I really think that for me, it took me this time of lockdown and quarantine that I actually got to do that. I actually, I had my kids, we went on family walks. So I got to just sit there and listen to my kids. And not that I didn't do that before, but I felt like, you know, they were always going off to sports or they were always doing this and games on the weekends. And it just, it, it was a time of reflection of life is never going to stop, but what, what can we do to kind of prioritize our, our life and our day? And I think that my kids are always going to be number one in, in uh, everything that I do. But I also realize that I need to take care of myself to be here with, for them as well. I think that is so powerful. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's pretty incredible just to reiterate that it took a quarantine for people to start to realize, A, we need to slow down and B, that we are just, we can't perform and give to anybody else if we can't take care of ourselves first. So I think that is a great lesson to take away from all of this. So kudos to you for that. Thanks. Yeah. And your, your children are also, I want to, I want to, talk to some of the national conversation that's happening. You're married to a black man, you have biracial children. So during this time, and I imagine even before, what is it like talking to kids? How do you have that conversation about racism and education and you know what's going on in the world today? How do you do that specifically with kids? We always talked about uh, racism. We always talked about being different. We always talked about the beauty of being different in our household. So it's not a new conversation that we, we started during this time, but I think it's really important to uh, now be able to talk to our white friends or our friends that we've never been able to talk to about racism. And how do, how do you make me feel sometimes when you say X? I think that's, that's the biggest thing is, you know, to be able to teach my kids and sit down uh, with them as they're getting older now, um, how to deal with being able to be an advocate for themselves and being able to stand up not only for themselves, but for others. I think that was really important uh, for us to talk to each other about as a family. And what are some of the expectations that they have um, now that they're going to be starting a new school year and it's going to be different. Um, so we, we did spend a lot of time talking about that. And on a national level, it's something that I feel that there's certain systems that we need to fix in order for everybody to elevate. It's not going to be fixed by just raising taxes or it's not going to be fixed by just doing, you know, uh, certain programs. But education, I think, is the number one um, platform that needs to be or system that needs to be really fixed because it gives our children an even uh, playing field right so uh, when I say that we have my children my son will be attending you know Jesuit high school and my daughter's going into seventh grade and I tell them all the time their job before uh, anything is they have to be a great student they have to tell me what they need so I can help support them. 
And I know that's hard when you have, when you have working parents. My parents were not able to uh, help us with our math or our English. That is not something that, because English was a second language for them. So I understand these parents that are struggling uh, because they're working a lot or they're not able to actually help their children in some of this. So we have to create programs at the school level to be able to give these kids that you know chance of being successful. So I, I do feel that education is a one of the biggest platforms that we need to fix. I agree with you because I also don't think it's necessary. It's nice to know that you're a friend and an ally, um, but I also don't think all of that responsibility should fall on people of color to have to be the ones to always have to explain things or teach people why. And so it's on us a lot to go out and do our own research and education, but to feel comfortable enough to say, hey, is this okay? Or should I say this or not say this to somebody they may you know, is a close friend uh, or family member with them. I just don't think that responsibility needs to fall on one certain group of people. No, I think that responsibility falls on us as a society. Uh, America is a melting pot. I mean, we have every race that you can think of living in America. But, you know, the one thing that I will say about living in America, I mean, it, it is a land of opportunity. And I will say that over and over again, because the the experience that me and my family have had of uh, being able to, you know, own our own business, get an education as a woman. So those things are not things that I would have had in India. Um, so I'm so thankful that I live in America, but there are things that, you know, I think we definitely need to fix in our, in our um, country. And I, I think this is around the world because there's biases, colorism, you know, um, racism, all of that exists in every community that we that's around us, right? Um, but we just have to find a way to cherish all of the good that we bring to the table and uh, work together. And most importantly, we need to look at our children and say, what can we do better for them? And I think that's the most important thing that we need to look at. I mean, I, I you know, Kamala Harris um, being um, half black and half Indian, my daughter is like, that's me, mom. Like, that's someone that's like me, you know? And I'm like, I know, I, I never thought that day would come. But yeah, here we are today, you know, living in America. And the vice president candidate is um, Indian, you know, half Indian. And it's, it's amazing because her mom has that story, right? She came here as an immigrant, came to America um, and, and, you know, raised two powerful women. And I think that is that is what my dad's intent was, right? And, and that's what he did. And now it's my turn to pass on that baton to my daughter. Um, so I, I think that racism is something that everybody should talk about, whether you have children of color or not. I think that we all need to acknowledge that we are different from each other. And the statement that most people say is, oh, I don't see color. I don't like that statement because of course you see color. You see that somebody is different from you and that's okay to acknowledge that they're different. But what is the beauty behind it, right? And I think that's what most people are afraid of talking about. And I think one of my biggest experiences as a, as a mom is um, being in the school system is that most parents don't wanna talk about it because it's not affecting their white children. 
And I think that's where we miss that opportunity because I think that we should be talking about it at a, at a young age and we should really be talking about it so that parents are teaching their kids at home at a young age. And I think we've missed that opportunity. And I think that we can fix it, but it needs to start at home. And how important is it to see someone like Kamala Harris? I mean, representation matters isn't just a cliche. Representation matters. And I think you're a good example of it too. It doesn't have to be a, a vice presidential candidate. Having a woman of color as a, a business owner, even in a, a gym setting or the fitness industry is important as well. So you're setting a standard too for people to look up to. But for somebody like your daughter to say, hey, that's me. I mean, that's gotta be something else, boy. It is. It's very powerful. You know, Barack Obama, when he was nominated as president, it was really for all of us as a minority group. We're like, oh, my God, this is the first black president. It's exciting. Right. And now you're seeing a woman uh, vice president candidate. And not only is she half Jamaican, but she's also half Indian. And, that, and you know, for the Indian culture, we've never had any representation. I mean, at that level, but just in general, I mean, we're not you know, famous athletes and we're not, uh, we're not, we are a lot of doctors in our, in our world of, you know, um, Asian culture. It's, you see a lot of doctors <laughs> in the Indian culture and, and um, that's okay. Uh, that's great. But, you know, I want, I want my daughter to know that she can be a, anything that she wants to be. And that's, what's most important, I think is, Children of color don't get that message. They think that they have this one program that's only for them, and it's not. There are so many things that children of color can do in this world. It's having parents that can tell them that. It's having role models. It's having you know neighbors. It's having friends that will remind of that, remind them of that. And I think that's really important. Um, Children need to be told over and over again that you can do anything you want to in this country. You can. And they just need your encouragement. They need support. And they need a system where they're not going to be um, discriminated against. I want to touch on that really quickly because you did bring up uh, part of the conversations you've had with your children is about how to stand up for yourself. And I wondered if there was an example that you'd be willing to share uh, from more of your professional experience, if there were anyone where you ever felt like you had to stand up for yourself, whether as a woman business owner or a woman of color, if there was anything that you would be willing to share and how you sort of responded to that situation. I think that being in the gym industry or just in my professional uh, career, I've had men tend to think they know it all. And at times, you know, and I think you just have to be prepared at all times to know your numbers, to understand your operations, to, under, you know, hit them back with facts and give them the information. I so, and not, and not use that emotional tactic that they try to do most of the time. And I've been in situations where I've had uh, some of the male franchisees, you know, talk down to me and, um, I have put them in their place because I'm not a person that will tolerate that. My dad has always taught me, you know, you have a voice and use that voice when you need to use it. And, uh, but he said, always be prepared, always be, you know, make sure that you know your numbers, you know, your facts, because um, 
they will try to uh, find something that they can poke at you to uh, make you feel like that your worth is not there. And my biggest thing is that I always tell my kids, you have got to be prepared. You have always got to be on top of things. You've got to make sure that you understand your information, um, whether it's my son I'm talking to or my daughter. But, you know, more importantly, my daughter, I, uh, I'm always working with them on uh, just accountability, taking accountability for that. And the biggest example that I would have uh, within my own world, of, you know, is that I had a male franchisee really just talked down to me. And I finally just, I, I sat there and listened to him and I listened to him and I finally just, I had enough and I just broke it down with facts. And then after that, it's like, he just was like, okay, you know, but I, I think that the fact that, you know, uh, women sometimes are degraded because, um, they think that they don't know, they don't have the knowledge and everything that they're doing is based on emotion. And I feel like women franchisees actually understand other women and understand what they're catering to. And so women bring a different spin to business, which I think is very important. And, um, you know, because men look at numbers and they look at it very black and white. I think where women can forecast what the future is going to look like or kind of, you know, just to see, hey, what else can I try? Can I try something different? And they're, they're not afraid to try something different. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, we are known maybe stereotypically for our emotion, but that can be a benefit as well. Exactly. But when you're coming out of a situation like that, it, it's a great piece of advice to always have your ducks in a row, have your facts. And then that helps you internally. I think when the more you know cuts down on, on that emotion and kind of helps you walk through something that might be a little uncomfortable. I think that's a really great piece of advice. It may take some extra work, to put in, but I think we're used to that too. We got to show up, right? Yes. I have five questions for you as part of a lightning round. Are you willing to do that? Sure. <laughs> I want you to give me the answer that comes to your head first. Number one, what is the first thing that you do in a pressure-filled situation? I take a deep breath. Perfect. What's the one word you would use to describe yourself? Hardworking. Number three, name something that brings you complete joy. Family. Number four, what's your favorite food? Indian food. Last question, and this is my favorite because I truly believe that women just get better with age. We learn so much over the years and I think become a bit more graceful and kind of figure out how to get through things. So what would you tell your 25-year-old self? What's one thing that you would tell her? that you don't know everything, take the time to listen. And, and that is more important, I think, now more than ever, right? Yes. Thank you so much, Cal, for taking time to do this. I think you offer such great advice. And uh, before we go, what's, what's next, especially for Planet Fitness? Is there anything you guys are working on for the future that you want to tell everybody about? The thing that I want to work on is really, uh, I'm on the board with the Boys and Girls Club of Portland, and I really want to continue doing more with that. I want to be able to be a voice and be an example for uh, children of color and to be able to provide and give back to that community. Uh, I think it's important for not only uh, myself, but for my children to see is that, you know, in life we are given um, 
whatever amount it is. It, it, it's not a dollar amount, but whatever you have, you should always give back. And I think that's something that I'm trying to just make sure that I spend more time doing uh, as my husband uh, will probably be doing more of the business and hiring on, you know, a VP of operations as I kind of take a role back, step back. Um, I want to spend my time with uh, working with kids. I, I think educating kids and being a support and uh, finding nonprofit organizations that uh, allow that opportunity for kids of color, I think is really important to me. And that's what I'd like to spend my time uh, in the future doing. Well, hats off to you. Uh, I want to thank you for taking time to do this. And I wish you nothing but success uh, in family life and that uh, bit of education as well as all of your gyms. Really, thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate Next week's guest gets personal. It might be the most revealing conversation you've ever heard with a cop and why her marriage is shaping people's perspectives on policing, race, and power. Until next week, keep crushing it.